Today, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Swan Private. Now, you know from listening to this show that our money is broken. Fortunately, we have Bitcoin, a better money that will help us build a brighter future. But if you don't have a Bitcoin strategy and a trusted partner to help you execute that strategy, then you're probably going to fall behind. Now, I've known the Swan Bitcoin team for years. The Bitcoiners at Swan are mission driven and have deep expertise and respect in the Bitcoin space. In my opinion, this is the team you want on your side. Today, I'd like to highlight Swan's private client services division, which guides high net worth individuals and businesses around the world toward building and preserving wealth with Bitcoin. So visit swanprivate.com and learn how this concierge service gives you direct access to your dedicated Bitcoin advisor by phone, messaging, and email. Swan will guide you on complex areas such as self-custody, or you can choose to hold your Bitcoin through Swan with one of the largest U.S. regulated custodians. So make your first purchase with Swan Private and get $100 of Bitcoin. Just tell them that I sent you. You know, an opportunity like this to build and preserve legacy impacting wealth for your family and company will not likely be seen again in our lifetimes. Sign up at swanprivate.com today, mention Breedlove to your advisor, and get $100 in free Bitcoin when you make your first buy. Nozomi Hayase. I hope I said that correctly. <laughs> Welcome to the What Is Money Show. Thank you for having me, Robert. It's Very, a great honor to be on your show. Thank you so much. It's really great to have you here. Um, you know, the writing you've been putting out on the deeper aspects of Bitcoin, let's say, has been very good. So I'm happy that we're getting to talk and explore some of this. Um, maybe by way of introduction, if you want to give just a, a quick background on yourself, how you discovered Bitcoin, uh, what you're doing currently, I guess I should say for the audience, like how we connected, right? you're a known Bitcoin proponent. You're a wonderful writer. We connected on Twitter. Um, again, big fan of your writing. So I uh, wanted to have you on and talk through some of this. But if you want to give the audience a little bit of background, that would be helpful. Okay, yeah. So um, so since um, I was young, the, I was always interested in finding out uh, who am I, the question mm. of who am I, or the purpose of life, you know, the big philosophical questions, I guess. And, and then what's because I felt like if we don't understand who we are as human beings, we, I felt like we cannot even start a life, you know? Mm. So these philosophical questions really drove me. And then that led me to study philosophy and the psychology. Um, so I have, um, my, my background is in, is in academia. So I studied psychology uh, uh, intensively. And then, mm. um, and then initially I thought that it's, it's how the society works is that, you know, maybe a bunch of psychologists or philosophers, basically the experts, so to speak, you know, they are maybe having meetings in the closed door or behind closed doors and deciding, you know, or, or um, defining what it means to be human. And then somehow that knowledge is passed on through education or, um, you know, through institutions and then um, kind of create the, the uh, incentives, I guess, uh, to um, make us behave in a certain way. Mm. Um, and then as I study more and more, as I study psychology more and more, I started to recognize that this is not really the case, you know, that it's not the 
people in academia, you know, the experts are coordinating this and doing this, but it's more of the, um, the economic forces, how money is used, how the financial systems, uh, along with political system, are used to push humanity in a certain direction. Um, so then I found Bitcoin and I, you know, Bitcoin is money. And um, for me, what fascinated me the most is how somehow Bitcoin brought new incentives and how through this money, you know, there's a new network of, uh, new network is created and people started to behave differently. So that, you know, really caught my eyes and, and, as, and, and then as Max Kaiser often says, like, we don't change Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin changes us, right? So he, he always pointed that. And, and I started to really witness that uh, phenomena, that how, right. you know, deploying this new code, you know, and, and this technology, somehow people started to behave differently. And so I got very much interested in Bitcoin from that angle. And, um, and then, um, so I was, my foremost interest in Bitcoin is, is people who are in this space and how the interaction between a code and a um, human beings and interface between human behavior and e economics, I guess. And then, so that, so as I, so around that time when I discovered Bitcoin at the same time, I started to, uh, I learned about cryptography, the power of cryptography and then how the code is law. You know, I started to hear this mm -hmm. expression, code is law that regulate human behavior one way or the other. So then I soon, made a connection that it's not just a bunch of experts, you know, psychologists um, controlling our behavior, you know, the, uh, influencing uh, the school curriculum. I mean, of course, that there is that component too, but it's more, more of the deployment of um, code, you know, deployment yes. of incentives through economic forces. And then that, you know, kind of automates certain kind of uh, uh, system that makes us behave in a certain way. Um, so then obviously I found the potential of Bitcoin to change the system at the global scale, at the, at the largest scale, you know, by changing the code, changing incentives, and then allowing us to uh, act with uh, laws of nature, you know, fundamental principles that guide us. And, 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 and at the core of Bitcoin, at the end of, you know, kind of my Third, I mean, my investigation or exploration, which is continuous ex uh, process, you know, which I don't think it would ever end. But I've kind of found that um, what is at the core of Bitcoin is is an uncorrupted view of humanity, the accurate view of humanity that is aligned with our human nature. And because of it, I think Bitcoin brings us back to you know, bring us back, back to uh, natural world or align human civilization with its, its foundation. So then I, everything just uh, became clear to me that this is it. This is what I was looking for in my entire life. And, um, you know, Bitcoin basically gives us, you know, Bitcoin rabbit hole experience, you know, that we kind of enter into. It's, it's, it's a process of knowing ourselves, you know, this knows itself, right? It's, it's the engages us in the deep search for truth, truth about who we are. Right. So, you know, for me, it's like Bitcoin, it's psychology, Bitcoin, it's philosophy. So mm -hmm. that's kind of, yeah, 
uh, how everything kind of came to, um, yeah, 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 wholeness, I guess, with Bitcoin. Wow. Well, thank you for that. That's a beautiful introduction and fascinating story. We can pause for a minute if we need to. Yeah. Yeah. I love the, you know, the, you describe, you know, incentives sculpting our actions really, which I think if you really drill down into not just human psychology, but it seems like um, even animal psychology, they respond to incentives, right? So we can direct, a, I don't want to say the only determinant, but a prime determinant of human action is the incentive schema that he or she inhabits. Exactly. And this ties directly into Charlie Munger's quote, right? Show me the incentives and I'll show you the outcome. So the, the incentives themselves that we codify, right? We create the systems, we create the incentive systems that we inhabit. We build our own homes, yeah. we build our own nation states, our own legal systems, all of that. But those constructions reflect back into us, right? They, they change our psychology, change our modes of action, right. modes of being. Exactly. And the, the, this is important too, because as you said, code is law. Yeah. This, is, this does not just mean software code the u.s constitution is code right we wrote a code and we built a civilization around it um and in that scope you know bitcoin is essentially a better form of code or a more unbreakable form of code maybe i've often said you know the u.s constitution is great if you uh interpret it in its purest sense but because it's just scribbles on a sheet of paper and there aren't real incentives that like give it teeth the way bitcoin has teeth it's sort of inferior, in my opinion. Well, yeah, uh, definitely. And, and I think that Bitcoin is actually the fulfillment of the U.S. Constitution, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, the, the uh, foundation of the U.S. Constitution is really the, is that it involves the question of how to, you know, how to balance the, the, the you know, how to built a, a civilization based on human nature. And the founding fathers understood that, that we have falling nature, we have darkness within, you know, and then as well as uh, perfectible uh, self, like, like the divine God-like, you know, ourselves. And, and they were trying to somehow reconcile the con contradiction, internal contra contradiction within ourselves, how to hold our um, unredeemed part of ourselves accountable, right? So there is, that created the, this uh, uh, systems of checks and balances, right? With three branches of government, each one checking the other, other, yeah. you know, um, and, but then they failed in some ways because they fundamentally have not found a way to, uh, because it's based on human trust, right? Human trust that human beings who are, who are corruptible, you know, so right. obviously they couldn't accomplish what they set out to do. And now we have mathematics, which is incorruptible mm -hmm. and basing the system on this incorruptible mathematics, you know, we can actually achieve, we, we find a way to uh, balance, you know, account our own darkness as well as striving for, you know, um, yeah, maybe striving for something good, you know. Yeah, human, higher human flourishing or higher human civilization, right? So it's, oh, I was talking about this with a friend last night. There is this, 
beneath the surface, I think in all of us, uh, maybe not all of us, but most of us, there's this aspiration to leave the world better than you found it, right? right. Um, I'm not saying this is, is universal, but uh, it, it seems like we're born with it at least. Maybe we have it in our innocence and we lose it later in right. life, but uh, there's a real struggle because you can want what's better for more people, but then you encounter the harsh scarcities of reality, right? And you've got to take right, care right. of this meat suit and go out and, you know, make sure you're okay and somehow balance <laughs> that with the interest of others. Right. Yes. And it looks like the founding fathers were, you know, they were trying to strike that balance. That's what right, right. the U.S. Constitution was. And to your point, they recognized human fallibility. Yes. They, they, yes. It, was, it was almost like anti it was before Marxism, obviously, but it was anti-Marxism in the sense that Marxism was saying, here's the final solution, final answer, the utopia. Right. And the founding fathers are like, no, look, this is based right. on really based on a Judeo-Christian right. worldview. I think that we're all fallen. We're all sinful. Yes, we're yes, all corruptible. Yes. So mm -hmm. let's build a non-utopic decentralized mode of governance that can right. adapt Exactly. Right. And, and the, you know, honest account of ourselves, that I think one of the contributions that Satoshi Nakamoto did really is that he, you know, he, he made this honest account of ourselves that we are fallible, right? We have this darkness within as well as perfectible. And to be able to say, you know, because we tend to kind of deny, you know, our uh, fallibility, right? Like mm -hmm. deny greed uh, or tendency to uh, control, dominate others, you know? And then we tend to have this idealistic view of ourselves. Like, you know, mm -hmm. we humans are good, you know, uh, altruistic and lovable and things like that. And we easily delude ourselves. And I think that Satoshi was able to say, hey, you know, we are, we, con we contain within ourselves this inherent darkness, you know, mm -hmm. as a part of, nature that you know if you look at the animal kingdoms or natural world nature is cruel mm -hmm. right there is dog eat dog world and you know the exploitation i mean the prey and predator and, and all of that mm -hmm. stuff and we have this animal animal part within ourselves and if that is not checked you know mm -hmm. we could we could you know go out of control i guess you know so so that's just finding part of to recognize the potential seed for tyranny I think yes. Satoshi also recognized this. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking about this a little bit offline, but um, framing Bitcoin as the philosopher's stone is just so yes. damn interesting because yes. something that was talked about for many hundreds of years, right? You know, this um, as a number of things, but one was the instantiation of the principles of Christ and matter. Mm -hmm. Another was like the unifier of opposites, which we right. talked a little yeah. bit about. Right. And then uh, the third way the Philosopher's Stone was described was as an antidote to tyranny in the world. Right. Right. And um, yeah. it's interesting because we, what we have with Bitcoin is a new form of software that's, that's very, has a very tight grip on reality through proof of work mining, right? It's like... Right integrated to energy, if you will. Right. And this technology is, is having uh, implications or, or effects on our own code. Mm -hmm. Like it, the way I think about this is, look, we're all, 
maybe this is not an exact term, but we're running cognitive code. We're all running some kind of software to be conscious, right? That's what the brain is. It's the organic computer, whatever you want to call that. Well, our cognitive code is interfacing or interacting with legal codes, moral codes, software codes, all these different codes we've created for ourselves. And the way that I guess maybe the purpose or the intention Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not just purpose and earth. The essence of whatever is written into that code has a mutual uh, influential effect on our mind. And that's what seems to be happening with Bitcoin. Yeah. And, and what, I changing us. what I found interesting is that, you know, we tend to think that laws exist in the outside, right? That laws that are written in a written form. But, you know, a lot of laws actually are internal. Like you said, it's a cognitive, right? So that culture has sets of principles and that regulate our behavior. So for, me, so for instance, I, I, I grew up in Japan. So Japanese culture had certain kind of customs and uh, ways of being, right? Mm-hmm. And even, even though I moved to the US, I carry these laws, mm-hmm. you know, within myself. And then when I interact with Americans, for instance, I catch myself wow, you know, I am operating with Japanese code, right? Mm-hmm. And, and even though, like, like, so for instance, like we have in Japan, like we have freedom of speech, mm-hmm. but, you know, we, the culture called um, uh, create a friction because culturally we are not allowed to speak freely. Hmm. So there are, certain, you know, we kind of regulate our behavior at the unconscious level. Like self-censoring, no, perhaps. Right, self-censoring. And that there is no external law or anything making us to behave like, like that. You know, even though that freedom of speech exists technically, but we don't allow ourselves to claim that right because of the cultural mm. code, right? Mm. So, you know, so that's why I, I found it interesting that um, Bitcoin is global and Bitcoin is creating a new culture, you know, enabling a new set of universal human rights code, so to speak, you know, and the freedom is universal. Freedom should be applied to everyone, right? Freedom of speech should be applied to everyone around the world, regardless of their background, you know, gender, cultural, religious, you know, background. And then Bitcoin does that. And Bitcoin really, I think, disrupt the cultural code as well. So that's why Bitcoin changes us. You know, Bitcoin changes us to act in a way that we actually can transcend the limitation of our own culture, you mm-hmm. know, so right. I find it very empowering to, to watch that, you know, like people in El Salvador, you know, they claim freedom and, and that, you know, Bitcoin development is really changing their culture as well. Yes. You know, yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. I would, you know, I would go so far to say, you know, if we are running some type of cognitive software, if we just right. describe consciousness as that, you could right. almost say culture is that distributed database of our ancestors experience, right? We've all, we've all been running the software for many, many, many generations. And we codify, I guess, the internal software experience into some external code, which becomes the mythologies that that rule our life, whether that's a nation state, your church, whatever, it's codified into this structure. Story, mythology, story, and even the story of democracy, you know, Mm -hmm. we abide ourselves, I mean, we have, we carry this mythology of democracy that actually we don't live in a democratic state right but then at the same time there's a story of democracy and history and the things and and we mm-hmm. we you know think that we have democracy and then uh, um, you know, act within that framework 
And what I found interesting is that at the universe, at the global level, you know, the fiat system or fiat culture is based on uh, the certain kind of fundamental, uh, uh, you know, a certain way of looking at human beings. Mm -hmm. and, and that- Objectifying. You know, expect, yeah, but trace back to the behaviorist ideas of, you know, we don't have anything innate, basically. So we are born with like empty, like tabula rasa, right? And right. so that everybody can be molded to whatever the state or the um, people, you know, society wants them to be, right? Mm. So, so if you have this view that we are born with um, just a, you know, blank state of mind, right? We don't have any character. We don't have any personality. We don't have spirit or soul or something that makes us be unique individual. And so if, if, if we build society based on this idea then obviously, you know, everything has to be dependent on the external control, right? And, and the education becomes such that they want to, uh, you know, fill out, you know, the, uh, give us information so that we absorb and then we become somebody instead of right. manically kind of emerging into our personhood, right? This necessitates top-down control because they don't believe yes. they think we're blank slates right so that someone has exactly. to put the message exactly and then the, what's interesting is that the behaviorists such as you know uh, john b watson I, I know you probably know these uh, psychologists but john b watson and bf skinner you know the famous one is bf skinner so they basically believe that uh, we don't have um we don't have free will basically and then there isn't anything kind of you know, I mean, they might acknowledge that there is such thing as a mental life, but they like, they thought that it's not observable, you know, and, and so there's no point of studying or investigating feeling or motives, uh, you know, the internal life of humanity, humankind, because there, you know, we cannot really scientifically approach uh, these data. Um, and so, so that's why they kind of, for them, thinking is behaving. So they focus on behavior, right? Behavior mm -hmm. is observable, behavior is visible. So then based on this kind of empirical uh, scientific method to understand hum hum human beings, they missed out the large part of what makes us human, consciousness, feeling, you know, the individual individuality and then all of that stuff. And then out of that kind of incomplete um, understanding, they, they try to build a system, right? And, and then what I found is that basically central bankers, the people behind central banks, mm -hmm. they are behaviorists. They want to mm. control human behavior because they fundamentally do not believe in things like destiny, things like, you know, the individuality, our uniqueness. That's why they, they are focused on controlling the population, right? Right. Yeah. So... Yeah, that's a very excellent observation. Um, I guess it would probably be useful for us here to try and define freedom, free will, determinism yeah. for people. Um, right. I don't, you know, clearly speaking, very biased uh, as someone that describes himself as a freedom maximalist, but I don't understand how anyone can look inside themselves and not understand that they are the ultimate decision maker, right? You may face external pressures, but um, I, I always point to Viktor Frankl's 
final human freedom and man's search for meaning, where he mm -hmm. describes that we all have this fundamental freedom that no one can take away. And that is the gap between our circumstances and our response to our circumstances. Right, right, right. Um, so that seems very intuitive and obvious to me, but this is a very hotly debated right. topic. Like does free will right. even exist? Are we just right. deterministic automatons? Right. Um, how do you, how do you unpack those concepts? I mean, for me, okay. So um, I know that that quote of, you know, response, our responsibility basically, right? So, so we are um, like animals, like, you know, we are governed by instinct, right? So then there's, we have instinctual uh, impulses. When we are hungry, we eat, right? And when, uh, you know, um, when we uh, are threatened uh, by force, then we, we automatically like, you know, find a way to respond, like to react, right? To protect ourselves. And these, you know, in instinctually driven act do not involve our consciousness, right? Like, you know, it's like automatic uh, reflex of muscles. Like when you touch something hot, you know, it, it bypasses our conscious involvement. We say, ouch, and we remove our hands, you know, from something hot. Um, and animals are operated, you know, animals are governed by instinct, right? So the nature in some ways protects all the creatures by uh, through instinct, through granting them uh, the, this wisdom of instinct. And the human beings are also, I think, guided by that or uh, governed by uh, instinct. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, what sets men apart from animals is that we actually have more uh, flexibility and we have ability to respond. We have ability to respond to instinctual urges that arise within us. So for instance, you know, animals, for instance, you know, if they are hungry, they hunt, they eat whatever they need to eat, you know, mm. they, they are, the choices of, of their course of actions are limited, right? Mm. Whereas humans, like, if I'm hungry, I could just, you know, and if I, you know, I could just uh, steal uh, food that mm. is available and then and mm. fulfill my hunger, or I could make a choice to say, you know, I'm going to use my money, I'm going to go to a grocery store and buy something and cook something, right? So that choice, um, I think it's a very important one because then humans with that ability to make choices, you know, that are, that, that are not dictated by animal instinct, mm -hmm. allow us to build a civilization, allow yes. us to build the, the, you know, a different way of being that is more, I say, um, civil, like uh, mm -hmm. peaceful, uh, you know, instead of uh, acting out of this the Italian um, brain, uh, aggression and mm -hmm. uh, violence and fear, you know, we, we can go beyond, like, we can choose to act uh, in, in, in a way that is collaborative, you know, um, and uh, polite or civil, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yes. So that space within us, basically, that allow us to make the choice to withstand in this, in the midst of this instinctual artist, that is, that it's that space, tiny space, is mm -hmm. is is a, is a freedom, in my opinion. Right. And, but I think our culture have to recognize this, this property of freedom, you know, and and cultivate it so that we could actually, uh, you know, each person can have a conscious relationship to their instinctual urges, and then dictate, you know, uh, instead of being dictated, but to guide their actions through their consciousness. You know, and yeah. that leads to the development of morality and development of conscience, you know, mm. 
And I think that our society, you know, of course, based on this behaviorism that basically denies free will, denies mm -hmm. freedom, mm -hmm. uh, doesn't even acknowledge this space, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so, um, so that's, I think, what, what Bitcoin is doing is Bitcoin points to that. Bitcoin reminds us of, of the, the defining feature of, of what it means to be human. Right. And how we are different from other mammals. And, yes. you know, although we share something similar and something in common, right? But at the same time, we have responsibility that other animals don't have, other species don't have. Mm -hmm. And that time to freedom, you know. Yeah, it's brilliantly said. Um, yeah, so we, I think you define here freedom as the absence of compulsion, essentially. Right, right, so, exactly. So, so the more we as humanity, we as human beings can get compulsion out of our interrelations, right. the better off we are, right? The more reasonable society is. And maybe one way to think about this, so you're describing the instinctual response. I, I'm reminded of this story of, I think it was Charles Darwin, actually, that mm. he was looking at a glass case with a cobra in it. Mm. And when the cobra would strike him, this cobra couldn't hit him, like couldn't get through the glass case. But every time it would strike, he would try to lean his face to the glass case and not recoil when the cobra would strike, right. but he simply could not do it. Right. There was right. some deeper level operating system taking over like every time that snake moves towards you you recoil right, almost right. like when you sneeze you know you close your eyes like you can't right. there's no override for it basically exactly, exactly. right and exactly. maybe we could think of, of that instinct as a very base level code right that's a code yeah, that animals right. are running we're also running right but we're different from the animals and then we have this higher order human reason which is much more sophisticated software if you will right, right. and as you said, the interesting there, interesting thing there is like, okay, you get hungry. Well, the path right. of least resistance might be just grab your friend's food and eat it, just steal their food right. and eat it. Yeah. But if we use human reason to engage in delayed gratification, I mean, that is the basis of civilization right there, right? The fact that you decide not to do what's best for your egoic self but do something right. that's more reasonable for the long-term right. interest of yourself yes. and the long-term interests of those right. around you. Mm -hmm. That's the kernel around which we build civilization, just deciding exactly. to cooperate uh, rather than compulse one another. So is the trick then, and this is where I think Bitcoin's so important, if incentives uh, sculpt or cause outcomes, then isn't our primary aim in, in the building of human civilization, shouldn't it be, I don't like the word should, but I'll use it here, to remove compulsion, to remove incentives to compulsion rather, right? Make compulsion less profitable and yes. therefore the outcome of compulsion will go away and, there, and therefore human reason uh, would flourish and we become more wealthy through more cooperation, less compulsion, things like this. Exactly. I mean, that's that's beautifully said, I think. Uh, and also, I wanted to point out the fact that um, instinct itself has wisdom. So it's it's something that preserves our life. And it has, you know, we, we shouldn't override the intelligence of it, right? right. Like, right, like, the nature created us perfectly so that no way that the no, like, you know, when I touch something hard, you know, 
I react immediately. And then the, the speed, you know, the, the, I mean, it's, it's just the perfect, right? And if I try to do it better than nature does, I mean, no, you know, we can't. But right. I think what's happening is that this behaviorist, behaviorist of the world, so to speak, you know, central banks of the world, they, they denied free, free will, but also they tried to, I think, outsmart nature so that they suppresses, they, they make us not to connect, not to trust our instinct. Mm -hmm. And then they create these institutions, third party, you know, trusted third party uh, systems and that we have to now, instead of trusting our own intuition and connecting with our body's wisdom, that we are made to trust them. And, and, and uh, they basically provided this like moral code, you know, uh, that based on dualistic, um, you know, dualistic uh, moralism or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. that tells this is right, this is wrong. You know, the competitive nature is bad. Greed is bad. Self acting is out of self interest is bad. Mm. You know, you have to be uh, nice, kind. You know, all of that stuff. You know, so they basically engineered uh, moral code. You know, and that I think it's it's it 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 became very destructive in my opinion because it it's disconnected us from nature, disconnected from our instinct, and then if we don't connect with instinct at the base layer you know, the freedom that I just talked about, you know, this space, you know, who has to respond meaningfully to the instinctual urges. I mean, that won't work either, you know, because right. um, we are not getting the signal from the, if you know what I mean, signal from the, yeah, nature, you know, yeah. And, and that, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you made the, the argument here, we have an outline for this conversation that the the behaviorists are essentially viewing free will as an illusion, freedom right. as an illusion. It's just, right. it's all deterministic clockwork right. all right. the way down. Right. But that obviously doesn't work because to even say that as a behaviorist, right? Who's driving you? Who's, who's mechanically pulling your strings to make such a comment? Right. 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 Um, I'll read one of these quotes you have here, and this is a uh, behavioral psychologist B.F. Skinner on freedom. Right. Mm -hmm. He wrote that we do not need to try to discover what personalities, states of mind, feelings, traits of character, plans, purposes, intentions, or other prerequisites of autonomous um, are really in order to get on with a scientific analysis of behavior. Thinking is behaving, as you said earlier. The mistake is in allocating the behavior to the mind. Mm -hmm. So this is a denial of choice, right. I guess, a denial of the reality of the ability to choose, the ability to respond, a denial of that final or human self, self freedom. Agency. Right, self-agency or individuality. That's yes. something innate within humanity, basically. Right. And, you know, and so that's the model. That's the model we built the, model. the financial right. system atop, exactly. right? That's the scientific right. basis exactly. of central banking. Right. <laughs> and I find it literally, I think that it's, it's just a blindness, blindedness, I think, you know, the Skinner, I mean, he's sincere in his, um, you know, experiment and everything that he really believes in, 
you know, this, this notion that uh, anything that cannot be observable doesn't exist. You know, it's not like he's just uh, doing it to control human hu humans. I mean, it's it's just he's sincere, right? But it's just that he's blind. It's like a blind person can't see the world as you know, like most of us do, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's just that's the world that that they see. Um, so I think that central bankers, behaviorists, you know, that they they are just blind. You know, that they are they 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 don't have the comprehension the real understanding of uh, what human being is. And, and uh, so I thought about this one long time because we pe people tend to say like, uh, this world is driven by psychopaths, you know, driven by people with right. ill, Ill um, intention. And, mm -hmm. and I came to an understanding, it's just, uh, they are just blind, they are ignorant, you know? And just as the, um, the gospel of St. John, you know, the Genesis says, in the beginning was the word, and the mm -hmm. world was with God, and then darkness comprehended not, right? So darkness comprehend light and cannot comprehend light. It's just blind. And in the same way that I find that the fiat world is run by people who are blind. And I think what Bitcoin brings is compassion, you know, instead of, you know, fighting against those people or looking at as them as enemies, Bitcoin basically shines a light. And in, in a way that, you know, that darkness become a part of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, without changing, you know, I mean, it's hard to explain, but I, I find it, it's a Bitcoin's way of changing the world is very compassionate, compassionate intervention. You know, it doesn't try to fight with evil. You right. know, just acknowledge that, okay, just, you know, humanities, you know, you guys are just ignorant. Yeah. You guys are blind. And now it's time to open your eyes and here is the light, you know. Yeah, so, uh, it's beautifully said. I'm I'm reminded here. I'll be doing this series later with a gentleman, uh, John Ravaki, on this this book, Kratos. I'm sorry, Plato's critique of impure reason. But it talks about how you know in Plato's Republic, they're wrestling with the idea of the relative versus the absolute a lot. Right. And one of the points they make is that the absolute can actually transcend the relative. Hmm. but still encompass the relative right 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 so it's yeah. not it's, it's kind of like we're transcending yeah. our own darkness in a way but it's right. by integrate it's kind of like the carl jung thing too right where you integrate right. your shadow or integrate right. your inner right. monster to right. be a full right. Right. Uh, a fully developed person we're almost right. doing that at like a social level right. perhaps right right exactly yeah it's, it's wow. kind of understanding that okay so the skinner you know behaviorist you know you guys see the world um, through your own lenses, you know, and then it, it has the imitation, of course, and that's okay. That world exists, you know. I give validation to to your opinion and then your perspective. I don't anyway try to destroy your world, but there is something more, and here is something more. And you might not recognize, you might not be able to see it, but you know, we could coexist. So then right. that creates a choice. That creates opening. I think that those who want to go to experience life um, in a different way, you know, that goes beyond the limitation of the world uh, defined by behaviorists. Now we have a choice with yes. Bitcoin. Yeah. And those who want to stay in that world, please do so, you know, that's, right, that's right. Their world, it's your choice. You know? yeah. So, that, yeah, so that's how I see it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's beautifully put, you know, it's Bitcoin 
it's kind of a paradox too, where you're forced, quote unquote, forced right. to interact with Bitcoin at some point, right. Right. but not right. really. You're not actually right. compulsed or coerced. There's just incentives. Right. You're just, it's in right. your interest to right. save in right. Bitcoin versus saving right. dollars, for instance. Yeah. Um, and I think that what's interesting is that if behaviorists only can see, observe behavior, then through Bitcoin, people start to behave differently so that they can maybe see behavior, right? So how, right. what Bitcoin is changing us, you know? Yes, and absolutely. Even anything like internal feeding or thinking or anything, they could just see the behavior, mm-hmm. you know? And then uh, if they like the behavior, you know, they mean they could adapt Bitcoin, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. interesting. It even convinces yeah. behavioralists in the long term, right? Because the, right, exactly. it changes right. people, or so we believe, yeah. at least. We could be wrong. Who knows? But right. now I'd like to tell you about a great new Bitcoin show on the scene that you've got to check out. Brought to you by Swan Studios and Bitcoin Magazine, this show is Hard Money with Natalie Brunel. Natalie is an Emmy-nominated journalist bringing unparalleled experience to the Bitcoin media scene. And personally, Natalie is one of my favorite voices in the Bitcoin space. Each week on Hard Money, you'll get the top headlines of the week with analysis you won't find anywhere else. Hard-hitting interviews with amazing guests like myself and other top minds in the Bitcoin space. And the show will take you directly into the lives being changed by Bitcoin all over the world. Check out Hard Money at swan.com backslash hard money. Today, I want to tell you about our sponsor, CrowdHealth. So how does health insurance work? You send an egregious amount of money to an insurance company. They hold it in a pool of depreciating fiat currency. Then when you have a large health event, you have to pay them even more via your deductible. And then you hope they will cover your bill. And in fact, one in six bills are denied by healthcare.gov plans. It's time to take control of your own healthcare bills. I'd like to introduce you to CrowdHealth. It's a decentralization of healthcare using Bitcoin as an alternative to health insurance. Instead of sending fiat currency to a big corporation, you send that money to an account controlled by you, a portion of which is converted into Bitcoin. Then if you have a big health event, you have a community of Bitcoiners that will use the money in their accounts to help you out. To get more details, go to joincrowdhealth.com backslash breedlove where you can find the promo code for $99 a month for six months. I want to highlight, yeah, this idea, we were talking about the behavioralist being blind. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reminded of that quote, you know, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. We mm-hmm. get, we can get frame blindness where you put on a certain yeah. frame on how you're interpreting a situation or the world. And that may give you clarity on certain features of that world or, right. or of that situation, right. but it will also blind you to certain features, right. Mm-hmm. right? Like if you, you wouldn't want, um, there's two different types of coordinates, you know, you have like polar coordinates or you could have, uh, the normal coordinates on a map we see, like if you're at the North pole, you need a certain kind of frame to deal with that situation. That's different from the frame you need when you're at the equator, for instance. And just to like zero in on the behavioralist, you can't interact with someone productively on the basis of behavioralism, right? If I'm assuming that you are just an, you're just driven by determinism and I'm driven by determinism. Well, then I have nothing to learn from you and you have nothing to learn from me. 
So how do we have a productive conversation if we build, if that's our philosophy, it just doesn't work. I, I don't know if I'm articulating it clearly, but you know, if you just try treating someone like that in a conversation that you know everything, they have nothing to teach you and see how that conversation goes, right? It's not right. real. It doesn't exist right. in the real world. When you go out into the real world, you engage mm -hmm. with someone in conversation, you assume that they have agency, right? That they have freedom, they have free right. thought, they have critical thinking. Right. They, right. you know, they have, they're running the same code to a greater or lesser extent that you're right. running and you right. two can connect and, you know, do more operations together than you could in isolation kind of thing. But the behavioralist viewpoint is just that, no, you know, it's just, it's not there. Am I, am I right. putting right. that correctly? Yeah. I mean, I think the, you know, behaviorist point of view really is that, um, we are nothing, right? We are nobody, nothing. And that, um, the impulse for our actions come from the outside. So, um, so there isn't, I mean, there, of course, that the, there isn't any curiosity and interest in one another, right? Because there, there isn't anything in us. Right. And uh, you are the product of a culture. You are product of, you know, genes that, you know, genetic determinism, you know, mm -hmm. you're born into a certain culture or, you know, like the India's caste system or monarchy. British monarchy, you know, that you're born into this certain uh, family class or, you know, and that you are fixed. You, you, your life is just fixed, that that's all you could be, you know. And that, I think that is a very, in my opinion, that is depressing, you know, because that, that of it's, 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 you know, promote a sense of victim, victimhood and that, um, yeah, and I think that the fundamentally we are always um, not, we are less stressed, we feel not enough that, you know, because then it kind of incentivizes us to become someone, you know, absorb mm -hmm. things, you know, uh, consume more or get degrees or, you know, trying to become someone because we don't have innate individuality, personality right. or uniqueness, you know. Um, and so, and, you know, but to believe that, no, you know, we are born with character, you know, we are born with this immortal, you know, individuality. And that gives us, I think, sense of peace because we don't have to become anything else. That, that, that impulses, you know, external impulses cease to exist, you know, mm. right? Because if we are internally peaceful, nothing could make us, you know, nothing would coerce us to act in a certain way, if you know what I mean, right? Yeah, if everyone, well, if if everyone was spiritually enlightened, right, you wouldn't be concerned. You couldn't be coerced. Someone put a gun to your head and tell you to do something, you'd right. be like, whatever. But right. clearly that's not, uh, that's not easy to do. I don't know if it's impossible, but pretty hard to get everyone right. to that level. But what we can do that's more practical is re-engineer the incentives. So Right. The, I mean, hmm, part of me here with behavioralism is thinking that, you know, it, it's kind of the basis. It's a rational, I don't want to mm -hmm. say rational. It is an intellectual basis for social engineering, right? Because if they're taking this view that everyone's uh, blank, blank slate, well, they need to go out and engineer society. Otherwise, society's right. not going to engineer itself. Right. Um, that right, doesn't right. work. I mean, that doesn't, you, you start to think you get a God complex in a way, right? Like, yeah, we I, need think, to I think that's what it is. Right. 
they, yeah. they have that complex and they are the ones who wanted to be, they wanted to engage in natural selection. You know, it's nature right. that right. selects what has survival value in human yes. trade, not human beings. And I think right. that that's the behaviorist, I think they, yeah, so they, so they, they just decide, you know, what is good and bad and stuff and then who should die, who should live, you know, and that's what they're doing, right? It's it, just by destroying other countries' economy, exploiting and then all, you know, through inflation and all of that stuff, you know, they use finance as a weapon. Uh, and, right. you know, and they, they say, you know, that's the part of natural selection, right? Mm -hmm. And what we see is it's a artificially created, um, I mean, it's not competitive. It's not capitalism. It's not competition based on real mm -hmm. competition in the free market. Right. They dig the game, right? They yes. dig this Darwin's, you know, the survival of the fittest game or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they say they are playing like God, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's that's what the economic system has become, you know? Yeah, and I'm so clearly at odds with that philosophical basis, but there is this grain of truth in that we are all again running cognitive software of some kind we are right. malleable we're programmable right. we're adaptable right. so there seems to be maybe this um effort to keep that awareness um away from people keep that amount of self-awareness away from certain people so they can be more easily controlled or programmed yeah. Yes. So the, the competition seems to me the awareness that we are self-programming entities, right? We're, we, we're running some kind of software, but we also have agency over how we write that right. software. Right. If you realize that, then you can write your own software, right? I can choose the books I read, choose right. the right. cultures I plug into, right. Right. businesses, et cetera. But if right. I'm unaware of that, especially if I'm afraid and like, you know, living under right. circumstances of uh, depravity or, or economic right. scarcity, well, I'm much more easily programmed without even yeah. realizing I'm being programmed. Right, exactly. Right? And that right. seems to be kind of the game that's been played across history between the ruler, ruling class and the ruled class is right. you're just trying to govern people's yeah. movement. Right. Yeah, that's why it's the... The, our, you know, it's we have um, secret government. Like, I mean, you know, government it's engaged in secrecy, right? It's like they they hide uh, information, knowledge about who we are uh, at mm -hmm. the fundamental level, and then they deploy PR, you know, public relations and propaganda, and then feed us with information and manipulate us, right? Um, and Bitcoin brings transparency, of course, and challenges that uh, secrecy of of this. Uh, systems mm -hmm. and um yeah and then so so the those in power dependent on our ignorance us not knowing who we are fundamentally you know and that how we are being controlled how we are being programmed how the incentives or the impulses and motives that you know we identify ourselves with are artificially created mm -hmm. so you know um <clears throat> so if we cannot question these motives, you know, the motives that make us act in a certain way, and then immediately identify ourselves with them, then we are not free, you know, because we have to examine where that motives, the impulse come from. Are they coming from ourselves, from within, 
Are they coming from the code, you know, authentic code provided by nature? Or are they coming from code that is programmed, code that is written by someone? So I think that really the, the Bitcoin is, is doing is that it, Bitcoin provides opportunity for us to claim, you know, our, our right to um, engage with code and program, you know, our own code, so to speak, you know? Right, right. And what I found interesting is that, you know, DNA itself is fixed, right? So, you know, the, the, the scientist talks about how throughout the history, the surface of the planet has changed, the environment has changed, but the DNA hasn't been changed, you know? So, so it's kind of fixed, but um, um, epigenome, epigenome is flexible. And, and, and I think, uh, I firmly believe freedom is coded in our DNA. You know, freedom is fixed, the quickest part of what, what it means to be human. And so it's not a bug, it's a feature that defines humanity. And, and I think the behavior is they, by denying freedom code, you know, that mm. they try to actually change our, our nature. They try to change DNA, you know, and mm. the, 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 and, and, and I see DNA is like the uh, storing device, you know, it's a, it's a device that stores information, like carries the in, uh, genetic instructions. Mm -hmm. And then, so they created this money, centralized money that could control uh, genetic information that, and destroy it even uh, by denying freedom. So that's, I think the mm -hmm. uh, fundamentally, I think the fiat money has become and the, and the Bitcoin makes, you know, allow us to claim the um, sacred, you know, sacred property of DNA, basically. Mm -hmm. And that the DNA has metaphysical dimension as well that mm -hmm. modern scientists don't even understand. I mean, science hasn't really understand what life is about, right? They, they have, uh, you know, the majority of, of DNA um, is, uh, is uh, called like junk DNA. You know, you probably heard this expression, right? Junk DNA, or right. the Einstein said the spooky, speak, spooky DNA, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that they don't even know what they're doing, you know? And, um, and then now, you know, I mean, we see the, what's happening with this experimental injection and the stuff, you know, they are actually trying to change, trying to alter, you right. know, our own DNA, you know, to destroy the sacred property. That's, I think, where we are going, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, so Bitcoin really, you know, it's, it's, it's makes human nature immutable. No one can change it. And then it allows us to consciously engage with our DNA so that we can maybe, you know, transcend, you know, the limitation of, of um, yeah, like we could actually meaningfully engage with um, what is inherited from our parents or ancestors, you know? Mm -hmm. We don't have to become a victim of our genes. We can heal our trauma, you know, we can, yeah, find a way to respond differently. Well, and we need to heal. <laughs> we yep. have a lot of trauma through uh, right. the, you know, just the past 5,000 years of human history. Yep. We've been, yeah. mm -hmm. um, quite animalistic, but also ascending, right? We we're making progress. Yep. We're freer. Right. Yes. More or less than ever, depending on where you are, you know, there's, there's been a fits and starts, let's say, but what, um, so it seems like then the, the internet is just the big game changer here, right? The whole media 
technology and media landscape. So the way the channels through which we communicate and organize ourselves just completely got flipped over in the past 20 years, right? And you've seen that with all the fang stocks, right? Disrupting legacy advertising and media and whatnot, music, everything. We've become quite integrated with these machines, digital tools, smartphones, like we, they are an extension of this code we're calling human reason or human consciousness. And it appears to me that maybe all of the institutions that we built up before this technological revolution are now uh, shimmying, right? They're kind of shuddering, trying to figure out how do they maintain uh, relevance in this new, new technological landscape. And so what, how does, I mean, Bitcoin then is freedom on, on the internet or the battle for the freedom of the internet, right. battle for mm-hmm. the freedom of this new uh, communication technology landscape. How, how can we explain this to people in a way that's comprehensible? Because even hearing myself say it, it sounds like a lot of, it just sounds way out there, but it really seems fundamental. Yeah. It's like, we're all communicating. We're all running this code, sharing this code. The way we share this code just changed dramatically through, right. you know, we, we, again, if we are, or we're running digital technology, cognitive right. software, yeah. well, we just invented software. That's a really right. big deal. Yes. Um, I, mean, so how- I, I, I mean, I fundamentally see internet as a tool, right? Like, um, I think this perspective of internet is a tool that could be used to emancipate hum- humanity. I think that's how I see it. And but for that to happen, we have to have freedom of the internet. Internet has to be free. And now internet has been infiltrated with you know commercial interest and uh, surveillance industries, you know, and so it it's has been centralized and it's it's doing the opposite of what it was meant to do, you know, and the, um, so I, my background, I mean, I was um, um, engaged in uh, WikiLeaks. Um, I was a journalist covering um, WikiLeaks um, for for the last decade. And I was inspired by Julian Assange, um, mm. uh, founder of WikiLeaks, who is a notable uh, cypherpunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know he believes in the freedom of the internet and the, the importance of uh, free internet to um, emancipate humanity, to liberate liberate humanity. And right. and I think that now what's happening is is the internet was a precursor to Bitcoin, and Bitcoin is the key that built on internet. You know, it, Bitcoin enables the platform at the global scale. So for us people around the world to connect, to communicate and to start to build, you know, start to claim our own freedom and build a new civilization. And for that to happen, we have to have internet and Bitcoin as tools, you know? So mm-hmm. it's important, I think, for us to recognize that these are tools, but not, you know, and, and so it's a question is how we could use these tools. And, but it's not the goal, you know, it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. use this to achieve something. And that's, right. I think, yeah, I don't want to say this is, this is going to be the battle, but the fact that, you know, there are people who don't want human to have freedom, you know, there are so-called adversary forces and whatever that we will 
um, we have to face the confrontation, I think, you know, um, you know, people who want to own, people who want to centralize internet, you know, yes. people who want to centralize money so that human, humankind cannot attain freedom. So, right. yeah, so I think this is our battle, I think, you know. Yes, no, beautifully said, and we, I guess you could say that the battle for freedom is ultimately about having yeah, yeah yeah it's everyone having their input right and how how we construct this whole thing that's what democracy that's right, the, right. the framing for democracy at least it's not it doesn't right. work in practice but you know it's everyone has a say everyone has a voice right exactly um, and i think it's, it's the change is that you know it, it's it's a network effect so the network effect so the hyper bitcoinization so each person basically aligning themselves with the laws of nature, you know, and, you know, like landing the code. I mean, you know, that landing who know, um, you know, Bitcoin core, you know, that's kind of a, you know, practice of, you know, saying, okay, this is, this is the code that I choose, right? So because Bitcoin developers, they don't, you know, they just provide the code for us to choose. We are the one who have to choose, you know, which code that we want to run, you know, and that, that creates network effect, right? And then right. expand the network and allowing other people to join. And it makes it easier for other people to align themselves with laws of nature. So that's, um, you know, I mean, it is a battle, but it's a different kind of battle. It's it's battle that can be engaged with each person upholding uh, his or her own truth, you know, and, and defending that truth. And, um, you know, and that kind of, reminds me again go, going back to the constitution you know basically the you know people in the united states that they are they are tasked uh is to uphold the constitution right mm -hmm. so in the same way that you, we could uphold our own truth and uh everybody on this planet that you know that we, we can uphold the code mm -hmm. you know and decide you know this this is what's important to us you know so i think that you know, it's, it's, it's not really a battle, but it's, it's it requires determination and commitment, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like, you know, alignment with the truth of choice, perhaps, right. That is, yeah. that is our nature, right. We do right. choose, right. we, that's what human reason is, right. We choose right. means to pursue ends. Right. And Bitcoin right. is just mapping on to that reality. It's like right. you right. get right. Right. the maximum amount of choice or option, right. Right. optionality possible. Right. And in that way, it's a quote unquote battle for freedom, but really it's a peaceful protest ultimately, because you're like, yes, I'm yes. just going to hold my life energy in this system that you can't do anything right. about. Yeah. And so therefore I, I have the choice. Be, exactly. And I think that that's why I think Bitcoin is an experiment, I think, important experiment. And that who knows? I mean, humanity, each individual decide, you know, what code that we are going to, you know, each person decide, you know, choose to learn. And then we might choose, you know, some people don't want to have freedom and some people want, don't want to have Bitcoin and fork off, you know, there are a lot of, you know, chain forks and, you know, and then create the different coins right. maybe. But so Bitcoin doesn't impose, you know, it's, it's provide a choice. And, and, but I hope that, I mean, I kind of think that nature wants us to succeed, you know, and that nature wants us to perhaps, you know, claim the gift of freedom mm -hmm. so you know the bitcoin's there but we have to be the one who choose you know right 
um, yeah, so that's, I find it beautiful in some ways, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not it was... my, my individual choice. I mean, I'm depending on the collective. I'm depending on you choosing yes. freedom and the other people because that create a network effect and define what it means to be human, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah, and that mutual selection process where everyone, you're basically yes. betting on other people choosing freedom. Well, that right. network effect becomes more abundant, more wealthy, more, you know, yes. it's a better yes. life, obviously. Like, right, right, and it's right. not, yes. again, I always talk about this and I don't want it to sound kumbaya, let's all hold hands and sing. But it's like, right. no, cooperation right. actually creates more wealth per unit of human right. effort or time. Yes. So you're, you're richer, there's less to fight about, there's, there's less problems in the world, less scarcity. That right. is the outcome of this. So it's a very practical right. outcome. Yes. Uh, not just us, right. you know, holding hands and singing by the fire. <laughs> so right. And then, you know, the legal scholar, um, Nick Zabo, um, mm -hmm. you know, who uh, created the uh, big gold, which was precursor to Bitcoin. You know, he defines money as a tool for uh, uh, technology for cooperation, right? So that it, it gave us uh, basically capacity. I mean, option or a different avenue for us to, um, you know, engage with our instinctual impulses, perhaps. So then, I mean, Bitcoin provides the, the choice for us to, you know, become human, you know, and not just to act like animals engaging in violence and controlling other people and then destroying environment and, you know, all of that stuff. But, you know, maybe we could become human. We could act civil. We could be right. kind to each other, you know. So that's, you know, but we have to choose it, right? So I, I find it, it's just beautiful to me. It's, it's just a, whatever the God or whatever, you know, provided it's a tool, but we have to do the work, you know? Right, it's, we have to do yeah. the work. <laughs> like human, you know, it's dependent on human freedom, human yeah. free will to choose, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a beautiful way to look at it. It's Bitcoin is proof of work, but it doesn't succeed unless we do the work, ultimately. Exactly, right, yeah. right, exactly. So yeah, really, really good stuff there. Um, I mean, I've written, I talk a lot about the book, The Sovereign Individual. I've written a series, essay series called Sovereignism, kind of exploring where this takes the world. It's, that's the big right. unknown for me. I think Bitcoin has a high probability of success, but um, you know, we can tell directionally sort of where the world goes, but it's hard to say what it actually looks like, of course, in practice. So how do you think about individual sovereignty? How do you see the world unfolding differently in the, in the wake of Bitcoin success? Um, um, in the wake of Bitcoin success. Um, I personally believe in things like destiny, you know, that each person is here with certain goals, I mean, certain mission or the gift to give um and right now i think um you know i think humanity is living in a state of ignorance and that because of it that um i i think that we we are we are not really living our own lives so to speak you know and i think what bitcoin does is that it's because it aligns each person with the laws of nature and that I think people start to find 
uh, what makes them unique and, and, and um, the, discover a gift that they can give um, or look at the life in a different way that maybe our existence on this planet as a, as a form of schooling, you know, we learn something new, you know, we, we learn lessons and or, and I think that would change the quality of life, you know, that would change how we interact with other human beings. You know, if, if we start to think that, you know, our existence on this planet is a gift, that we are here for reason and that there are certain maybe plans maybe, you know, that we um, create for ourselves or whatever, you know, mm. then, you know, our life, or we start to slow down in our life, start to shift our values, uh, you know, relationships or the, the things that are maybe not necessarily material, you know, we start mm -hmm. to value things that are not tangible, right? Like psychological right. and like happiness, you know, um, how much uh, love that we give to each other, you know, those kind of things. So I think it, it fundamentally changes the quality of life. And, and when humans are happy, I think everybody, I mean, all creatures is gonna be happy too, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. That's a great, great way to look at it. I'm again, just sort of thinking out loud here that we have this fiat system or the system premised on compulsion, coercion. Yes, it's, yes. it's forcing or incentivizing humans to fight over wealth, to fight over yes. stuff. Mm -hmm. But the, the real pernicious paradox here is that very fighting inhibits our ability to produce more wealth and stuff. Exactly. So right. I always describe it as like we're sawing off the very branch on which we're sitting. It is so self-destructive and crazy. Um, and I think to your point, you know, if, if we would get compulsion out of the system, we would produce more wealth. It just focused on right. material wealth. Right. And what does that mean? It means that material wealth by comparison is overall less important, right? You can, you can make ends meet with less work basically. Right. And so maybe then in that world, we would be free to focus more on higher pursuits, spiritual yes. pursuits, right. artistic pursuits, right. love, right. interpersonal healing, right. all of these right. things. Right. And I think that one of the compulsion, you know, the urge uh, is the will to power. And that's uh, Friedrich Nietzsche talks about, you know, developed this concept of will to power. And he connected that with the, you know, Darwin's natural selection, that it's, it's like a, course of nature you know mm -hmm. it's that we all have this will to power and I think but the, this will to power became destructive now you know because uh, mm -hmm. it's it's will to conquer it's mm -hmm. will to dominate you know and and I think that at the root of that you know impulse is is lack of acceptance lack of love lack of um accepting the fact that we have this unique individuality that that is cannot be destroyed you know, and that, that cannot be counterfeited. It's authentic, you know, something authentic. And then we don't have to prove it. We have it within. Um, and so I think that the will, you know, that this untamed will, you know, that is driving the world into madness now can be only tamed with love, you know? And I think that Bitcoin bring that element. I mean, Bitcoin has this healing property, you know, that help us find that within, within, within ourselves. That's beautiful. Yeah, you said something really profound to me before we started recording. You said you thought that love is founded on freedom. Yes, right. And, you know, I, 
I think this is obvious to anyone. Like you can't force love. You cannot force right. yourself to love someone, right. nor can you force right. someone to love you. Clearly right. it's mutual voluntary. That's the only way it works in any sustainable way. So what, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you think about the love, uh, you know, okay, like, I think our culture conflates love with instinctual, you know, sexual lust, you know, and so when somebody is infatuated with someone, you know, like, oh, you must be in love, you fall in love with someone, you know, but that's, you know, when you look at their, their behavior, I mean, they just fall in love, it's like, there's this um, compulsion, right? To, mm -hmm. to be born in love with someone. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, there is this sexual attraction or instinctual attraction that, that allies without your even involvement, right? Mm -hmm. And if you just act on it, is it really, I mean, where is your consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. How is it different than animals, you know, eating something because they are hungry, mm -hmm. right? Not, there mm -hmm. isn't much difference. Right. And I'm not saying that, you know, the instinctual love, you know, the sexual love, is not a part of love of course i mean it's a foundation it's you know but but i think humans out you know can choose to love you know out of their own freedom you know if there is um like for instance like if i see someone uh, who is suffering you know on the street you know if if i act on this compulsion to help because i feel bad like mm -hmm. oh god you know this person needs i so much emphasize with this person and and i cannot even stop myself like i mm -hmm. i without knowing, I just start, just help the person or I feel guilt if I don't do it, right? That's not really an act of love. If I have a, but if I have a choice saying, okay, this person is suffering, you know, I could choose to do this or I could not choose to do this. But if I, out of myself, choose to help the person, mm -hmm. you know, that's act of love for me because I think right. it's like, you've made a conscious choice, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, great points there. And I, I would add love, you know, such a loaded term in English. Right. And it's, right. I always, uh, again, Verveke, um unpacked this for me, but like the ancient Greeks, they had many words for love, right. but three were really, really stood out to me. And they were eros, philia, and agape. Mm -hmm. So eros, which is something we we'd associate with the word erotic, perhaps it's like just to consume, right? To consume. Right. And it, right. it's not just erotic because you could also be consuming an apple, consuming food, right? I love this food, right. but it could also be consumptive in a, in a sexual relationship, mm -hmm. but that's all very animalistic, right? That's very base right. level instinct level. Mm -hmm. There's a level up called philia in that you love you love the, you want ongoing reciprocal interaction with the person, right? right? So it's, you don't want to eat your friends, for instance, you want to have friends, right? You want to interact with them and, and have this ongoing loving relationship. And then of course, the most powerful form of love, which is also very central to the Bible is agape. And that is that, you know, when you bring your newborn child home, you can't even say that you love them in the sense of philia because there's no, yeah. there's not much reciprocity taking place. Right. They're basically yeah. an inert lump when they first come home, right. yet you love them right. Right. so much ultimate selflessness. You know, it's, it's overwhelming. So it seems like in English, 
we've created a ton of distortion by just jamming all of those meanings and agape into one word called love and we're all like you know i love this i love that i love you um and i think that you know the i mean if you look at the animal kingdom or nature you know natural world it's there's this food pyramid right so that there is this uh, prey predators and you know and so that lions are supposed to eat rabbit and rabbits are supposed to eat rat or something you know so that there is this hierarchy kind of a natural hierarchy food chain that, yeah food chain you know yeah. and it goes around i mean it's like top goes down and you know it's like a circle but it has mm-hmm. a pyramid right so then so that means that basically lions uh the animals cannot have a relationship out of themselves, like they, they are locked in, in this kind of food chain, right? Um, and so humans, on the other hand, I think we could introduce a different, you know, we, we could develop a sense of brotherhood, you know, the relationship based on the heart. Mm-hmm. And that goes uh, out of this prey predator, you know, uh, I'm gonna eat you or you'll be eaten kind of uh, animalistic kind of, uh, uh, you know, defined locked in relationship, mm-hmm. right? So I think that, um, I mean, you know, like lion and lamb, you know, they, sheep, I mean, they do not lie together peacefully. You know, it's, it's like lion, when they get hungry, they would eat them, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you won't see them developing friendship, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe they do, but, you know, but humans, on the other hand, I think we could, you know, like men and women, like men don't have to act on sexual impulse or, you know, they could develop friendship with mm-hmm. over the sex, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and then um, develop brotherhood, you know. And I, I like to see, or I think that Bitcoin gives us a tool to maybe spiritualize economy so that we could have like associative economics, we could have, you know, economic studies maybe permeated by heart, you know, through principles of mutual aid, voluntary association, and not like, you know, predatory capitalism, like, you know, okay, I'm gonna just, you know, screw you over, you know, if you don't play light, you know, and I'm gonna put you into debt slave and things like that. But it's, it's more like mutual aid, you know, um, I care about you. So, you know, I transact with you and then you mm-hmm. would return favor, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, it may, yeah, again, back to just, if Bitcoin can incentivize cooperation at mm-hmm. scale, then that's the same thing as saying disincentivizing compulsion, right? So we're creating more freedom in aggregate for humans. This gives us the economic, um, we were established in the free market economic process at this point in a way that lets us transcend material concerns. We're just producing more wealth and that's just a flat out economic reality. And then we can engage with one another because material concerns are just a smaller proportion of our actual concerns. We would engage with one another, presumably on a more heart or spiritual basis. Yes, at least the Bitcoin create the opening for people who are ready for that. Because I think there are people who like to consume and who, who, you know, like to possess material things and, you know, and everybody is at a different stage on their journey. And, you know, I think that people who want to accumulate wealth and material goods, I think they should do it. I mean, there is no need for them to suppress their urge or anything. You know, if that's the right. 
just them being authentic, just go for it, you know? But I think that, right, the problem of the existing system is that it just denies the other hand, you know, it's, it's just separate. I mean, it, mm. it doesn't give us choice, basically. Right. So then people, because people who don't want to live like that, you know, yes. and, and they don't have to, to, yeah, be a part of that system if they choose to, yeah. Yeah, it comes back, it always comes back to that magic word, choice, you know, we just right, right. don't constrict choice. The less we constrict choice, the right. better off we all are, ultimately. Right. Um, and it's just difficult for individuals to resist the temptation, I suppose, right? It's much easier to steal a guy's garden than to plant the right. garden and do the whole thing, right? right? right. You could just... Right, right. Exactly. Um, and then... I Instead of uh, external forces that try to regulate, try to punish us, you know, each person should be given an option. I mean, in an authoritarian society, like you are not even given a choice to, you know, not to act on instinct or not, right? Because the society just says, you cannot do this. You cannot speak freely. And, and if you do this, these are the punishment. Or, or even nowadays, the technologically, it, make, it makes it impossible to, for us to act in a certain way, you know, the uh, China's uh, social credit, uh, you know, scoring system, for instance, it's it's algorithm that that makes it impossible, right, for people to to engage in activities that are deemed to be criminal or not uh, favorable, you know. So, uh, you know, so what important thing is that it just allow everything, you know, allow us to act freely, and we will face the consequence, you know. If you want to act out of instinct, go for it, you know, and then you would just face the consequence and you learn the lesson, right? Right, right, Instead right. Of, yeah, like you are preventing someone from learning lesson and growing from that, right? you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's, no, that's yeah. a beautiful way to put it too. It just, you are reintegrating individuals with the responsibility of their actions. Yes, right. And without having the choice to learn, Mm -hmm. How can one develop morality? How can one develop responsibility, right? So that's the whole thing that when I think liberals now, they're obsessed with this, you know, virtue signaling and trying to say like, this is the right thing and this is wrong. And you, you know, make sure that, you know, their speech would be, you know, banned and things like that. But you are, by doing that, you know, you are depriving people's ability to, to learn people's ability to claim their responsibility, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's like the, you, you, you know, it's like a, the parents, you know, they want kids to, to learn what, it, you know, out of themselves, what is the right things to do instead of imposing morality. So then they end up becoming automaton, right? They just only do good things mm -hmm. because they try to avoid the punishment. That's not morality. Right. That's not responsibility, you know. So the freedom is the the foundation uh, for us to develop uh, capacity for morality and responsibility, you know. Yeah, uh, beautifully said. And then without, you know, we cannot without choice, we obviously can't develop morality and um, right. these other higher order uh, constructs of human reason, right? That separate us from yes. animal again, right. allowing right. us to become more civilized. Mm -hmm. But to the earlier point without the power of choice, how can we love? Yes. Right. So it's almost like you're injecting all of this coercion and compulsion. That's anti love in a way, because you can't yeah, force yeah. this thing. And um, 
Yeah. And, and again, you know, we mentioned this at the top of the show, the Bitcoin being like the philosopher's stone that unifies opposites. Right, right, right. This one just occurred to me recently. I mentioned to you after reading this book, The Way of the Superior Man, but love is also what unifies opposites, right? That's what brings masculine yeah. and feminine energies together. You know, love, um, it transcends, it, it, it's kind of like the central axis to everything, it seems like. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot of wisdom traditions, a lot of uh, people that take psychedelics, they all describe love right, right, being right. like love, the basis love, right, right, of right. reality so, in, in yeah. some way. So you have know, we I, have yeah. we discovered something with Bitcoin? Is like the technology no, I, I that, that maps is, closest yeah. to love? You know, love being a unifying force of, you know, unifying force of opposites. I mean, that's a very important point because Jung also talks about, right, the, the Jung's work of alchemy, that the, the first step is, is to differentiate. So to basically create the opposite, right? So, um, and, 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 you know, the, in the Bible story, Genesis, uh, the story of the um, tree of knowledge, tree of knowledge and, uh, is, is to, to know, you know, after they ate a tree of knowledge, I mean, the fruits of, from the tree of knowledge, they started to learn what is good versus right, right good, right. evil, and stuff. Good, so evil. it created yeah. the duality, right? Yes. And that duality, I think, is a part of this ego function. It's the abstraction, you know, of our soul that, you know, we tend to kind of, that, that's how our mind works, right? Like say, this is good, this is, this is mm -hmm. bad, or left and right, that this polarity. The, yes, the ratio, opposite. comparison, right, right. all of these things. Exactly. And then that, you know, became a moral code in our, you know, in, in the, you know, cognitive, capacity and and that we start to um act in a certain way like we try to be good right i think everybody goes through this journey goes through this process that you know we want to become a good person we wanted to prove to be a good honest you know nice or whatever the society defines to be good so then we try to avoid the, the whatever that, that is not considered to be good so then um so that create the opposite right in the tension within ourselves and then there comes time the love, you know, as a unifying force that comes through us to unite these opposite. So then, mm -hmm. you know, and then that's, I think it's like love is like a fruit from the tree of life, right? Mm -hmm. So because we have tree of knowledge and the tree of life, you know, people don't talk about tree of life, right? Mm -hmm. But then there is other tree. And I think that tree of life, that love as a fruit from the tree of life Mm. that unifies the opposite and it gives wisdom because you know it's it's not we know what is right and wrong you know mm -hmm. right it's not like you know we don't know like then it's like a child okay child they don't know what is right from good uh, uh, i mean from bad or anything mm -hmm. you know but we have to go through this process we have to engage in this opposite mm -hmm. right and and polarize ourselves and know what is right and wrong and and we make efforts to to, to have this one-sidedness in, in a sense. But then, then we transcend that, you know, and it comes to the point where, oh, there isn't right and wrong. It's, it's kind of unifying force. Mm -hmm. And that creates the transformative, you know, it's a philosopher's stone, which is wisdom, right. you know. But from a person looking at, you know, the person who has gone through the transformation, from the outside, that person looked like uh, just going back to the childlike state. 
like, wow, you know, you don't know what, what is good and wrong or, you know, but, but that person is enlightened. That person has a wisdom. And mm -hmm. it's, it's not like that person just regressed back to the childhood. Mm -hmm. You know, it's regressed back to the innocence. No, I mean, the person gained wisdom after going through, after eating the fruits of, of um, you know, <laughs> the tree of knowledge. The tree of knowledge, yeah. Wow. And given life, new life, kind of, you know. Yeah. And that brings life, right? Love is the, the unifying force that brings men and women together and, you know, give, you know, like we give birth to a child, you know, yeah. create yeah. new life. I mean, that's amazing, right? It's, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it. And then I think that's what Bitcoin is doing, right? welcoming each person, I think, welcoming each Bitcoiner to, you know, go through this journey and so that we would be, we would achieve love, you know, yeah. and get wisdom. Yeah. You know? Wow. It's, it's really my, I mean, it's mind boggling um, to say the least, but uh, yeah, the, the idea of Bitcoin being just so open and inclusive Right. It, right, it can literally yes. unify opposites. Right, you could yes. be yes. the most exactly. hardcore leftist and the hardcore rightist, right. and they'll both appreciate Bitcoin because it right. it empowers choice and empowers the individual. Right. Um, so maybe that's why you know, like love, Bitcoin conquers all in the long run. <laughs> yes, Bitcoin's neutral, and I think that once I think we understand what Bitcoin does. I think we would understand the necessity of the fiat system, that how we, maybe humanity have to go through this, have to go through this darkness right. as a part of, you know, journey. And that uh, then we learn what is good and, and wrong and, you know, engage in this battle of good and evil to only to find that good, they are just the opposite side of the same coin. Right. That Two sides us. of the same heart, right? And, yeah, just, the, you know, just the teaching us something important so that we can develop capacity for love, you know? And that's just, um, yeah, that's amazing to me, you know? Um, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's a, a beautiful, bright orange future if we do the work, I guess. Yes, yes, <laughs> if we do the work, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nozomi, this has been uh, an amazing conversation. I really, really appreciate the work you're doing. I hope you keep writing. I mean, the writing yes. is really, really good. Um, if you could just please let my audience know where they can find out more about you or your work. And I think you're on Substack as well. So if you want to mention yes, that. Yes, I just started Substack, uh, The Way of Heart. Uh, that's my um, new writing platform. And uh, I don't tweet much and I don't engage myself on Twitter uh, intentionally. Um, I try to stay out of drama. Um, but when I um, publish new articles or podcast interviews or whatever, I would tweet that out. So um, the best best place to follow me is on Twitter. And my Twitter account is Nozomi Majin. Okay, wonderful. We'll link to all that in the show notes. Nozomi, yeah, I hope we can have this conversation again soon and hopefully have some more insight as to whether we're crazy or this bright orange future well, is actually possible. <laughs> I know, no, I don't think we are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, I look forward to talking again soon. Thank you for having me.